Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Comic Con 2014 and beyond. Sit back and relax because you're about to listen to some exclusive interviews from Mile High Horror Fest 2013. Enjoy. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast at Mile High Horror 2013, the only podcast at Mile High Horror and probably any horror fest this year. <laughs> I'm Ryan, with me is James, and we have returning on the show, director extraordinaire Dan Merrick. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Great to be here, guys. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, welcome back. Is this uh, How many times have you been to Denver now? Uh, this is my second festival being here, and I was on the jury on the first one. So, um, But, yeah, it's been great. I love coming here, and it's getting bigger and better than ever. And it's nice. The weather's I'm, real nice today, too. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah, been nice. It's really cool because, I mean, we notice it's a lot bigger this year. You yeah. know, it's this the buzz around here. And you're also on the jury for the short films. Is there any films that have really been standing out that you've well, enjoyed? I, this year I'm on the jury for the, for the feature films. The feature oh, films. Yeah, oh. and I was on for the short films. Um, the first year, and then second year, I was on, on features. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the the quality, of the programming just keeps getting better every year. And um, this year, we have several films that are really notable films that we like that I've seen that I really like a lot. I can't give anything away, but um, but yeah, it's the really high quality stuff. Very, Very cool. cool. Um, so. For people who don't know, you're the director of the Blair Witch Project. That little um, movie, yeah. I don't know if anyone knows. If Does anyone anyone out there, does anyone know that movie, uh, Blair Witch Project? <laughs> anyone? A few people have heard about has, it. Has anybody yeah. heard of that? It, it may have been important. It may, Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, so uh, the, on last year's show, you, we talked in length about the Blair Witch Project. Um, what are you working on right now, and um, what's tickling your fancy? Well, I've got a project now that just got picked up um, that we're going to be probably shooting um, either later this year or first of next year. We're casting at the moment. Um, I'm very excited about that. You know, what I can tell of it is is that it's kind of based on a true story about a stalker that moves into this girl's house mm. and literally lives under her bed for several days and videotapes everything she does. So it's going to be kind of a combination of first-person video and, you know, regular narrative storytelling. But um, So it's a script that I wrote, um, and uh, the producers on it, Richard Halpern and Sean Papazian, kind of helped us get this together, but we're doing this with Radar Pictures. And um, this should be, you know, coming out, you know, probably later next year once we're all done with it. But that's what I'm immersed in right now at the moment and looking very forward to doing it. So have you started pre-production on it? Uh, do you know when cameras are rolling by any chance? We're or? in soft, like a soft prep now. We we're, we're, uh, have reached out to a few name actresses for the leads, female lead role, um, and would like to be rolling cameras like the first of the year if, if, wow. uh, if all goes well. And so far it's been, it's been that's it's working pretty, out. That's pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. As a director, are you um, a very meticulous director where you draw storyboards and you follow them precisely or do you like a lot of more freedom? Um, you know, it's it's a balance for me. It depends on the kind of movie that I want to shoot. If the if it has, you know, something that has a lot of action sequences or the really costly shots, you want to have those kind of mapped out pretty meticulously. Um, on this particular film, it all takes place in one location, and we haven't nailed down the location yet. So I'll have like loose storyboards through it, but. It's very performance-driven, and I like to give the actors a lot of freedom to kind of roam. As long as they get the point of the scene across, I'm pretty flexible. They don't have to say every word that's on the script the way it's written. Um, as long as I get honest emotion, that's my biggest concern. And on a small movie like this, you have that kind of flexibility, and you're not you know, so concerned about 
every angle getting nailed down exactly because you're spending so much money on an effect shot or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it just depends, but this one's pretty loose. I'm curious, too, because when you were talking about Blair Witch last time we had you on, you said that you had, like, an idea of scenes, and mm-hmm. you kind of had what you wanted, what we're looking for from the actors. Is this one a little more scripted, or are you going to let them kind of have the same freedom? Well, this one's more scripted, um, you know, and script defined as, you know, having dialogue written in there. Blair was basically a script without the dialogue. We didn't want it, the actors feeling like they were you know, saying scripted dialogue, but it was very detailed as far as the scenes, what they would be doing from moment to moment and what they would be doing from scene to scene. And then once we started shooting Blair, we just kind of let them have the freedom to work within those parameters. And then things would change up over time. And this movie, which is called under the bed, um, is a little bit more structured, like a, like a normal film, but I like the freedom the actors giving the actors freedom to, to, to really express themselves. And, and for me, that's part of the process. I mean, if, you're, if you've done your job in the casting and a cast someone who's really talented and really good and they are totally dialed into the character, then you don't need to over-direct them. You, you let them do bring to the party what they are going to bring to it and let them be who they are. And I find that process very exciting. I like, I like working and collaborating with actors when they do that. Uh, have you cast the movie yet? No, I haven't cast it yet. We're reaching out. Like I said, we have to kind of get the lead nailed down, and then we're kind of cast around the lead. So we're, we're reaching out as we speak to, to, to one in particular over this weekend, hope, hoping she'll take it. But we have a hit list, a very short, short list of, of girls that we want um, to go after. But it'll happen. It's just a matter of, of, of who gets involved. This might be too... Uh reveal too much but obviously so you have a villain underneath the bed Mm. and what are you looking for in a villain that's underneath the bed and from the point of view is he going to be like uh, a creepy guy or i mean well i don't want to give too much away but um you know the the villain is you know just kind of a a sort of a demented individual you know i mean most stalkers arguably have a screw loose right mm-hmm. and and this one kind of takes it to the nth degree and violates this woman you know physically you know spiritually emotionally i mean he gets into her life like you can't imagine and so it's really kind of takes the whole stalker idea to the extreme and and most of what you see from the villain is from his perspective, from his POV, because he's videotaping everything. So it's kind of a unique take on the villain perspective because you don't really see him until the very end of the movie. And um, But you see what he sees hmm. throughout the film. And see, that's a that's different cool. kind of horror, too. I mean, it's a horror that is extremely real i mean yeah and that, that to me like that's terrifying when you said the name of the movie me and james looked at each <laughs> yeah, other uh, yes. like, that oh, is that. that is pretty scary yeah. no i literally whenever i've pitched the film we've been you know working on this for two years now but whenever i pitch the basic premise it gets that kind of visceral reaction mm-hmm. i mean the only other film that got that for me was blair witch whenever i kind of gave him the, the one line pitch i got the same kind of reaction and i'm getting it on this film as well so not that I anticipate it being nearly as big as Blair, but it's it's just one of those things that taps into that kind of primal fear we all have, and that's what I like about it is that it really kind of gets gets under your skin thinking about someone living inside your house and you don't know it. Because yeah, that's that's horrible. I mean, I couldn't even. Uh, 
imagine like someone living underneath my bed. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that's basically the monster under the bed. He's, Absolutely. He's the monster. And that's, that's a wonderful take on when it. When it's a really cool idea because like, you know that feeling you get, especially when you're really bad at, at, at not being scared like I am, where you go see a scary movie and you get home and your house is dark and you're walking around and you have this feeling that like, what if someone's there? Right. And this preys on that. Like just that idea really draws in this idea that like, you know, there could really be someone there and you don't know it. Um, and that's, that is chilling. That's part yeah, of what it is. And you know, the irony of this woman, you know, as things, as the screws start to turn, you know, she's locking the doors and, you know, wanting to keep what she thinks is, you know, a threat out on the outside yeah. out but it's actually on the inside and um oh. and again we're not giving too much away but i love i love playing on people's kind of preconceptions like that and i just think you know if we can pull it off um that it could be kind of a new way a new kind of um villain a new kind of way to do a thriller a psychological thriller and um and i'm really excited about it we've been working on this for a couple of years now cool. and is it on purpose too to have point of view shots from the villain because in that way you're kind of making the audience be absolutely the villain absolutely and so that to me would also add to the horror of the movie because absolutely you don't want to be that guy you don't <laughs> you do not and i'm definitely taking a page from blair in that regard um because that pov is subjective you're forced to be in the villain's head through 95% of the movie. Wow. And you're forced to see what he, what his attention is on. Like if he zooms in on something and is focused on her face or her hands, you're in his head through most of the movie. Mm. So you're forced to kind of interpret what he's seeing um, and doing um, in that kind of interesting way. And I just thought that would be really creepy. Very, very creepy. It is because it's also really voyeuristic. I mean, you, Absolutely. you feel like... I, I want to see this movie so bad. <laughs> Is it coming good. out right now? Or, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, we are, like I said, we're very excited. Radar Pictures is involved. And, um, you know, they've done Chronicles of Riddick. And, they've, you know, uh, they just released Spring Breakers, uh, which did pretty well. And so they're very excited. And, um, and, you know, again, it's all about casting. It's getting the right cast around. And, you know, if I do my job right... This could be a nice, tight, psychological thriller. Very much, you know, in that what you don't see is scarier than what you do see kind of thing. Although there's plenty of that in there. Um, but I just, um, you know, it plays in my wheelhouse. It's, it's really, I feel, an extension of Blair in some respects, but something, you know, broader in other, in other ways. And uh, when you promote this movie, are you going to go about it the same way as Blair? Obviously, you can't recreate that magic. Right. But are you going to do maybe like a, a website or something where people We're can We're talking check? about I can't let anything out of the bag too much right now. But I love the idea of doing something a bit viral that you have to kind of start with a long, you know, a long yeah. lead kind of viral campaign um, just to have fun with it. Because it's, you know, it is something. It's one of those things like everyone thinks about one way or another it's like you know is there somebody in my house so we have a couple of ideas that we hope that um we can run by radar and once the movie gets the cast in place we can start playing around with that but we're going to have some fun with the pre-marketing also i would love to let the fans in on our process you know how we shoot the film some of the unique stuff that we're going to do with it um, and just engage the fans like we did with Blair Witch early on in the process. And is it hard to to have uh, such a successful movie as Blair Witch and then try to get another movie kind of similar in the way that it's made? Um, yeah. Or is, are you pigeonholed in that? I mean, in some respects, yes. I mean, there's there's it's unavoidable 
Um, you know, Blair Witch will always be associated with my name, and I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. I mean, it was a lightning in a bottle, and I feel very fortunate that I was a part of it. Um, and I'm realistic, though. I mean, it was it was one of those things that comes along once in a lifetime that all the planets planets aligned, and um, you know, so for me. I learned a lot from Blair Witch. I, I learned a lot of you know, things that made me a director, how actors work, and I'm going to use that in every movie that I do. So as an artist, quote unquote, I, I, I like to think I'm moving on from Blair Witch and doing other things, but you take what you learn on every movie you do and, and apply it to the next one. So I, I'll never be you know, divorced from Blair Witch, but, um, but I think Under the Bed will be something that's different Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if you were a fan of Blair Witch, you're gonna, you're probably gonna like Under the Bed as well. So yeah. it's more of like actually like a springboard for you than it would be like a hindrance. The Blair Witch phenomenon, absolutely, and, and, and that's so cool and refreshing to hear uh, someone who's made that movie and made it so. It's, I mean, it's part of popular culture, absolutely. And, and to embrace it is is amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, there's you, you know, you go through bouts of frustration when you go in to pitch something and they want, you know, do, give me another Blair Witch. So, well, if I could do that, <laughs> I wouldn't need to pitch movies. You know, I'd own an island somewhere. But, um, but no, I, 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 I love the genre. I love making films. I got to make my mark on this, on this industry. I mean, how many independent filmmakers can say they were able to do that, yeah. right? So, for me, it's like, okay, I accomplished that. Now let's go have some fun. <laughs> you know, I can do... Um, cool movies and hopefully work with cool people and um, you know that that life doesn't get any better than that really I mean it's tough and it's hard and you're constantly hustling that's the that's the business we're in but um, you know I've worked a lot of really crummy jobs in my life and I I have to remind myself you know being associated with Blair Witch better you know for better or worse is not about it's not a a, a tough problem to have. It's just not. <laughs> and it, it's an interesting thing, especially like as a as such a film fan as I am, to look at it. And every every time that there's a a Chronicle or a Cloverfield, like that movie comes up, and that's the movie they compare it to because you know th- it's it's part of why not just was that movie really loved and a, and a huge like horror movie at its time, but that style became a thing that. Everybody wanted to try for a while, and 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 continues to like it keeps popping up. Yeah, uh, and I, that's I, where you know. Yeah, um, I'm really kind of blown away how that kind of approach, which we didn't invent it. I mean, we just sort of popularized it. Yeah, right. but um, but how that's been reapplied on so many kinds of movies and so mm-hmm. many other ways on big budget films. Cloverfield's a perfect example. Yeah. On lower budget films like Paranormal Activity, um, to see that that kind of conceit applied just on so many different levels of so many different movies. I never expected it to be that, to that level. And is it cool, too, to know uh, Friday the 13th, which is a huge horror franchise, is now going to kind of go that route as Blair Witch that was so successful. They're exploring found footage. So right. as a horror fan, that's got to be kind of cool where it's another iconic franchise. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and also, again, I mean, giving credit where credit's due, we live in a world where everyone's got video cameras and cell phones with video on them. So it's... I think it's inevitable. Whether we in, we did it or not, I think it's just a matter of time that we're going to be we would be seeing movies shot from that first person perspective because we just all have cameras now. Everyone's their own kind of journalist. So um, so we you know movies reflect our popular culture, and I think mm-hmm. that was it was inevitable whether whether we popularized it or someone else did. 
So why do you think uh, yours w is uh, so much more respected than some of the other found footage movies? You know, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think um, like anything, like, you know, some kind of trend that gets set or some kind of stylistic choice that gets made. The first one usually breaks the mold and gets, you know, a lot of nostalgia associated with it. But I also think there's a lot of cheap knockoffs, which kind of give the genre or can give the genre a little bit of kind of it diminishes its value. And then everyone references back to the one that really started it all. And it's not to say that conceit can't be applied really well when done right. It's, it, it can be. It's just anything that becomes popular tends to get redone and remade very cheaply and in all the wrong ways, you know, <laughs> after that. And, and so that happens with everybody. I mean, look at when Jaws came out. You know, it's all came, you know, 72 movies about sharks came out that weren't nearly as good. Everyone points back to Jaws, right? So it's... Um, that's not uncommon for that to happen, and I think that's just human nature. You know, I think that's the way our brains are wired. Um, and, you know, Blair Witch is one of those films that everyone kind of remembers where they were when they saw it, you oh, know, yeah. because it was so different, and it came out of left field, and, um, you know, and it just had, it's just struck a chord. It just struck a chord with everybody. What, uh, what movies do you like besides horror movies? Like, what movies have you seen lately that you like now? Um... Wow. Well, um, I mean, one of my all-time favorite films is, um, I mean, God, there's so many. <laughs> That's one of those questions like, okay, which one do I go? I mean, I love comedies, but, um, but uh, um, Alfonso Cuaron is one of my favorite directors, and he's coming out, um, well, he just came out with Gravity, which is like a film that I'm dying to see. I've got so many friends that have seen it. Um, so I'm dying to see that. Um, yeah, I love his films. Um, you know, Spielberg, he's got, you know, some of two or three of my top films in there. You know, Close Encounters is one that I kind of grew up with that made me want to make movies. Um, you know, The Shining, you know, got me into kind of horror genre. Hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of good movies out there uh, if you look for them. You know, I don't think they're necessarily all coming out of Hollywood, but um, and a few that I've seen here, you know, have been some great films. So, um, you know, that's it's one of those tough questions to answer. Like, what's your favorite film, or what's you know, what are some of the great films that you've seen? I mean, you have the, your normal hit list, but then there's then there's those ones that no one's ever heard of, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I just love that's what I love about the festival is that you find stuff that you don't normally get to see or discover and I think I just wish more people had access to you know kind of these film festivals and I think the internet has helped out with that but um, still you have to you have to be proactive to come out to these kinds of things yeah you know here's a question I've always wanted to ask like a a, a real director and I mm. always forget and I just remembered it now when you watch somebody else's movie is mm. it easy for you to enjoy it or is it hard because you've worked behind the scenes of movies and you know how they're made. I mean, there's always that component to watching a film. Um, you know, knowing how films are made, you you start analyzing it from a technical standpoint. But the really good movies s s transcend that. You know. So when when you feel yourself pulled into the story, and carried along like any other viewer that's when you know the filmmakers really 
doing their job because they're able to get over that hurdle with, with you as, as a filmmaker. Um, and I love it when a film does that. And, and it doesn't happen that often, but when it does, I'm, it, it's really exciting. It's, it's like when people tell me when they saw Blair, they were really scared. You know, I don't get scared at movies anymore, you know, and I really envy those that do because, you know, uh, you can kind of just go in pure. You go in completely without any preconceptions and you can just enjoy a movie for what it was intended to be. And, and for guys like us, it's just difficult. It's, it's difficult. And every now and then a film will do that. It's really fun when it happens. Do you remember the last movie that scared you? That scared me? Um, it was probably... Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer was what really kind of threw me for a loop. That's a difficult movie to watch and, um, you know, brilliantly done. And um, what else? Jacob's Ladder really oh, kind of yeah. freaked me out. Um, so well done. But it's been a while. It's been a long time since I've really been. I mean, I've had jump scares that come out. You're like, well, okay. Yeah. But, yeah. but something that has that residual effect on you long after the theater that kind of lingers with you for weeks or months afterwards. It never goes out of your system. It's been a long time. And I think a lot of that has to do with age, too. When you're younger, things just kind of affect you more. And you get older, you get a little more jaded and a little more cynical. <laughs> it's just the way it is, right? Yeah. No, I love those answers. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I, I feel the same way. I don't know if I, I, I said this before. I don't know if because I've seen so many horror movies now. Yeah, I just it's just know, hard to get scared. Yeah, I mean, I love the creativeness of them, and yeah. I love I I love the movie magic behind them. Yeah, I'm big like, eh. fan of them. Yeah, <laughs> but to be like honestly scared, where you're grabbing the you know the guy yeah. next to you or the girl next to you, and you're like, that's rare nowadays. It's very very rare, hmm. and and I think you know. That's why I kind of do films that are, well, I like to do subject matter that plays kind of in real life. You know, like Under the Bed is about a stalker, and that could happen. That's not a ghost necessarily or something that's, you know, otherworldly or what have you. So I like the idea of tapping into that neurosis that you can still feel even at the, you know, at, at um, as jaded as we are. You know, it, it could be something that could tap into to that fear response no matter you know um, how prepared you may think you are for it. And I think you're 100% right because, I mean, you have supernatural things that for some reason they leave you. You know what I mean? It's, right. You leave the theater, you're like, well, I know that can happen. I know that uh, Freddy Krueger can't invade my dreams. Yeah. But I think you're onto something where if you leave the theater watching Under the Bed and you, and you do your job and make it scary. Yeah. That I want everyone a, checking their closets yeah. when they get home. I want everyone looking under the bed. I want everybody double locking the doors. You know, that's that's what Jaws did to me. Yeah. That's what Jaws did to me. When I came out of the movie theater, I didn't go to the beach for a year, man. I was like flipped out, sharks, totally off limits, right? And that, because um, they're real. That wasn't a ghost. That That wasn't. You know, like you said, something invading your dreams, or it was sharks are real. I hear about them all the time, and they were out there. And this movie just drilled right into that on, 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 you know, a real fundamental level for a lot of people, and it was very effective. So my hope is that's one of the ways I pitched this is like this is like Jaws inside your house, right? Mm -hmm. You know, this is um, something that could happen that could be real. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's no escape. You know, no it's, escape. And it, I think that I think that might be the way horror needs to go um, to uh, transcend 
uh, where it's at is you need to start tapping into fears that people can experience in their daily lives. I mean, that's a very good point. You know, I, I don't ever want to, you know, say what can or can't be done because someone always comes out with a great film that you're not expecting. Um, but I think audiences become sophisticated. You know, they, they, they um, you know, they'll dial into a, a certain kind of conceit for a while, a certain kind of premise for a while, and then it'll tire out. And, and it kind of works in cycles. But, um, but I see a lot of these ghost movies coming out and, bumps in the night and um and i'm like well i can't compete with that really i can't i can't out flash hollywood you know so i'm going to try something that's a little bit more down to earth and something that is more hitchcockian in its in its genesis and and um play on something that could happen that could be anybody's worst nightmare and i see i think you're right too because those those paranormal activity movies and stuff like that mm -hmm. to me they're not scary like blair witch because in the paranormal activity movies there's always this rumble before the ghost appears or, right. or something so they're setting you up big time for everything that happens in the movies right where you know your film strips it of that it's, right you don't know what's happening it's not that right oh, oh there's there's the witch right you know so uh is that what you're planning on doing in under the bed too is uh not give clues to what's going to transpire yeah i mean you've you've already got a super scary ass premise right <laughs> i mean do yeah. i really need to how much more do i need to do right yeah. uh, i mean so and my spin on it is that you're going to be seeing a lot of it through the guy's through my villain's perspective. So that just, I don't think that's really been done to any large degree. I mean, I'm sure it has, but, um, so to me, that's just scary. That, that scares, that freaks me out. And that's what I'm going to play on. I'm going to, I'm going to do a movie that I would want to see that I think is creepy and scary and unsettling and uncomfortable and just hope that it, that it plays for everybody else. But I'm, I'm going to be relentless. I'm, I'm not going to, um, I think part of what, we are now seeing all ticket holders for Nosferatu. Okay. Now seeing all ticket holders for Nosferatu. Look at my voice changed. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Um, I forgot my point now. Nosferatu got, got me <laughs> off the subject. You I'll remember bastard. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're just talking about sort of the essence of fear, right? Yeah. I mean, it really is something that... Um, I have to constantly sort of like reevaluate in my head because audiences get more sophisticated and I just have to kind of stick with what makes me creeped out, what scares me and hope it scares everybody else. And do you think that helped you in the writing process for Under the Bed? You just said you weren't scared for a long time. Right. So was that something that you think would scare you and that's kind of drove you through the script writing process? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I've heard other stories about I just read a, an article a few months ago about where a boyfriend moved in an attic le, i guess never left the house he broke wow. up with his girlfriend and he moved up in the attic and she didn't know and he sat there and spied on her for like a year or something like that jeez <laughs> so i'm like okay that's pretty freaky right yeah um but yeah a perfect stranger sort of randomly kind of deciding that they're going to move in with you and do and does so that's what that's what gets me more than anything, just the randomness of it. And, you know, I'm, uh, I get that chill when I read the news, mm -hmm. you know, all you have to do is go to CNN.com or, you know, read the news and there's four or five stories in there that just totally creep you out. So for me, it doesn't have to be 
overthought to stay to that pure essence of what really creeps me out um, and and uh, and just nurture that throughout the film and hopefully you know everyone else will have the same response is it hard to make a horror film while you're making it uh, meaning you're shooting it and it doesn't it doesn't seem scary but it gets scary when you start editing it does that make sense yeah I mean it's interesting because you know there's it's hard to be objective you know when you're making a film or when you're writing a script or what have you um, and you know all you really have to go on is that, that little kind of alligator brain um, buried deep down inside that says I, this feels right and um, you get a lot of input from everybody else around you and you hope, hope you're on the money but you never really know you never really know until you're in the theater and it's screening in front of a bunch of people that have, that have no idea what the movie's about and they get a response because that's really what you're doing this for at the end of the day it's about moving an audience so you may feel like you've got a scary movie and it may be even creeping you out on some level but it's tough to be completely objective through the edit process. Um, you know, you're trying to do things technically, and you like you may have an idea of what might be scary, but you never really know until you test it on somebody. And do you know when a take works with an actor? Because I think being scared is a really hard emotion to act, right? Um, without it looking silly, right? Um, yeah. So, how many um, takes would you say it takes to get that? fear right through an actor's performance does it vary or do you know when you're rolling it like oh that's the take that's the one i'm going to use i mean i you i mean as far as like knowing the right take that's usually an instinctual thing i'm you know i don't do a lot of takes i've never had the budget to do 40 takes on anything um i'm usually moved pretty fast and i don't i don't want to burn the actor out you know um and my experience has been usually the first three or four takes or you know they get it in there if they're if they're they know what they're doing but as far as fear is concerned conveying fear it depends on the scene it depends on the kind of thing sometimes it's the actor is a focal point of the fear and they're needing to convey it sometimes it's something happening behind them and they're unaware and that's the, that's the object of the scene or the moment um, so you have to know where the audience's perspective is and what's what you're trying to get on every shot each particular um, um, moment so it just depends. It depends. So when you're um, editing it, then do you have to remove yourself and have other people watch it to see if they're filling anything for it? Or how does that process work? Mm -hmm. I'm just curious. I mean, my process is I like to have an editor come in and do a first cut. And hmm. I just step away. Because I know I'm married to every shot. I know how hard it took to mm -hmm. get that those cars locked off down the street. Or you know how far we went over that day or whatever. So I know how much work went in. And I'm biased. I'm, I'm in... I'm admittedly biased on every shot, so I like a fresh pair of eyes to come in that haven't they haven't been on set, they don't know how much hard work went into each scene, and to cut it honestly. Say, here's your rough cut, here's what I feel works, doesn't work, and then and then consult with the editor over that, and then sometimes I'll take a pass at it to kind of massage it the way I see it. But um, but it's a very organic process for me. It's nothing like I have completely mapped out in my head because it's like, <coughs> excuse me. Um, somebody once said that you have three different movies. You have the one you write, the one you shoot, and the one you edit. So you have to embrace that process. And for me, the one's informing the other. And you're never going to have the same movie at the end of the day that you wrote in the beginning of the day. And I'm okay with that. You know, part of being a director or a filmmaker is understanding that that's okay and don't freak out when it doesn't happen exactly like you think it is. But let that organic process, let the movie tell you what it wants and don't fight it. 
So my hope, if you've got talented people around you, actors, you know, production designers, editors, they'll they'll bring their a game to it, and and you'll get something that no one expected at the end, and that's when it gets to be really fun. Very very cool. Hey Dan, is there a way we can track the progress of this movie online or on Twitter? Yeah, we're gonna have a, probably gonna have a Facebook page. Once we get a cast, we're probably gonna have a Facebook page. So you can you can go to my Facebook page, you know, which is Dan Myrick, um, and stay up to date through that. And then once the movie's kind of in production or in prep, then we're gonna have it, its own Facebook page. And then we have some other kind of cool stuff that we're going to have added to that later on. But that that you'll be able to stay up to date with that. Awesome. Well, thanks, Dan. No yeah, problem. Really we we love you. having you on here. You're such a nice guy, and you're so <laughs> informative. I'm, I feel like I learn. I'm going to school. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. I like, I like um, that. So I, we know you're busy, and we really appreciate you taking time to sit on our show. No problem. It's Yet an honor. again. Um, Thank you, sir. Yeah, we can't wait to yeah. see Under the Bed. Great. Yeah, I great. really can't. Well, talk about it. Tell all your friends. I will, for sure. <laughs> Big shout out to Alamo Draft House for hosting such a wonderful party. Until next year, bye. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover, and also Spark Mandrill for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.